This is my last podcast, of course, for 2020. I'm Richard Scase, Chair of the Canterbury Society. <laughs> well, what a strange year we've had this year. Quite unpredictable and also, I would think, uh, without precedent. I would hate to be Prime Minister, I would hate to be a government concerned with this present situation. And I must say, however, that, uh, and this is totally a non-political point, I really do think that uh, the government has been slow and reactive right from last March in terms of handling this pandemic. We were very late in imposing a lockdown last spring when the evidence from other countries suggested you had to do it very quickly and you had to be really tough at the very beginning if you wanted to stamp this thing out. And the outcome has been that since last March, uh, we've had the most collapsed economy, but also the highest level of deaths, now coming up to 70,000 in the whole of Europe. But then on the other hand, if you look at the different policies of governments and countries across Europe, um, despite these different strategies, the outcomes seem to be more or less the same. So um, would it have made any difference if we hadn't had any lockdowns? I don't know. I suspect it would. I suspect the situation would be much, much worse. But coming right up to the present, now in December, the government is still being reactive. I mean, um, the medical experts were saying last Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, that there needed to be tougher restrictions on what we do over the Christmas period. And although that's rather late in terms of people's plans, it would have made a huge difference. But to have an announcement late on Saturday night, or Saturday afternoon rather, and saying that all non-essential shops should be closed as from midnight, I really think it's had a real harmful effect on local businesses, on businesses of all sorts, and also people's planning. For example, I mean, uh, lots of shopping is done uh, in that week before Christmas, this coming week, or the week before Christmas. Um, and um, people defer until the last moment doing their shopping. Now, had that announcement been made last Tuesday or Wednesday, there was going to be this tier four introduced. People, I think, would have done a lot of shopping over the last few days. Um, that is um, the week um, commencing the 20th of December through to Christmas Day. Uh, and of course, they haven't done that uh, because they've been they aren't they were unable to do so. And I think that's going to have a disastrous effect on trade and business in Canterbury, um, um, uh, well, in, in the spring. And, uh, of course, I think, as all the experts have been saying, I think we're going to face another um, kind of spike in, uh, in in people getting coronavirus, getting COVID-19, particularly with this, um, this new variant that's developed. And I still don't really understand why this new variant of COVID-19 seems to have emerged in Kent and in the Medway towns, um, which in a sense was removed from the major concentration of COVID uh, uh, sicknesses and cases, which was primarily in the Midlands and the north of the country. I do find it um, rather amazing that um, despite the severity of this pandemic, that people are still going around without wearing masks. People are still not respecting uh, personal social space. The other day in the supermarket, somebody was right up close to me and um, and clearly, you know, not concerned at all about um, personal social distance. And of course, I was afraid to say anything because you never know in England if you object about somebody's behaviour, you are likely to get thumped. 
and um, I don't particularly want to get thumped when I'm out shopping um, in a supermarket. But you will always, I suppose, in every society, get people who refuse to conform. I mean, we don't conform to speed limits. But I think the major problems is among young people. Young people are not conforming and adhering to the recommendations as much as they should do. And I think there are a couple of reasons for this. Well, more than two reasons. Um, one is the, so stu- the, sorry, the lifestyle of younger people. They tend to be much more into social activities because they're not um, locked into family relationships uh, with partners. Uh, whereas if you're single, you're out having fun. I think that's one factor. Um, I think a second factor is that um, young people don't experience directly COVID-19. And people's behaviour is more likely to be shaped by their experiences rather than getting instructions or advertisements or being told what to do by teachers and, uh, and, and other experts and so forth, uh, whoever. Um, uh, uh, the, the, they're less likely to be influenced by those kinds of people in our society, people in authority, uh, than if they directly experience something. I mean, you know, you drive more carefully if you've witnessed an accident or been in a car accident. Whereas if you're just generally aware of um, being told, uh, you know, to be more careful uh, from an abstract point of view, you're less likely to adhere to it. Um, So I think, um, but having said that, I think, you know, the UK is a very individualistic society where people are more likely not to conform. Um, Even so, I think, you know, the level of conforming to the rules and regulations and the recommendations has been quite incredible. I mean, you know, the evidence shows that still 80% of the population are adhering um, to the restrictions, um, are carrying out the rules and regulations. And it's only that 20%, and it's that 20% which is primarily focused amongst young people. But having said that too, it's not entirely young people. I find absolutely, I think it's shameful that um, many older people are also not conforming because they are really quite significantly affecting uh, the lives uh, the livelihood, uh, uh, the, 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 the propensity for other people to have to, be, to die um, as a result of not uh, wearing masks, as not respecting social space and so on. But I suppose there has been, dare I say, a positive side to COVID-19. I mean, during that lockdown last spring, and we were lucky to have very good weather, it was nice not to have cars on the road, or very few cars. It was, not, it was nice not to have aeroplanes overhead, creating all that pollution. It was nice to um, rediscover the countryside by going out for more walks. It was nice to recognise there are alternative ways to travel than the automobile, walking and cycling. And I think these are going to be longer term legacies uh, of the pandemic. Uh, In a sense, you know, the pandemic has been a major disruptive force on the ways in which we live and on the ways in which we um, behave in terms of our personal lives, as well as in terms of how we work and where we work. The internet revolution, of course, which started around the year 2000, enabled us to redefine and reconsider the way in which we work. There was no longer the need to go into work, to go into the office, to look at a computer all day and then commute back home to Canterbury and other parts of Kent. But employers didn't trust us. They didn't trust us unless they could look at us, uh, until they, unless they could watch us working alone on our computers. And what the pandemic has done is, um, as a result of government policies, told people to stay at home. 
And this has meant that um, employers have had to review and have to reconsider, and not just reconsider, but, but impose new working practices. And these will continue. I think the days of commuting into London from Canterbury, five days a week, have gone forever. It's a shame, really. They built um, the multi-storey car park in Canterbury West. Um, it always looks at least three-quarter empty to me. And I think the pandemic has demonstrated. Uh, it, it, was, it was certainly uh, now not necessary. It didn't need to have been built. So I think commuting is going to decline quite significantly. And more and more people are going to work from home, perhaps two or three days a week. And this means, I think, that more and more people, more commuters, um, who have been living in the inner areas of the suburbs of Kent, you know, Bexley and Bromley and places like this, Sevenoaks, I think they're going to be more likely to move out to um, East Kent, uh, where they will think the quality of life is much better. And I think this will inflate even more house prices, which, of course, even more will put up, uh, uh, will reduce the extent to which young people, young families, will be able to buy their own homes. So that's going to be, I think, a big issue uh, over the years to come. But again, not only in terms of um, industry and business, I think education is going to be quite severely affected in the longer term as a result of um, COVID-19. Students here in Canterbury have been working very significantly from home, uh, from their bedrooms, from the kitchen tables, doing their studies online. And I think once that practice continues to become reinforced and established, I think certainly uh, over the next year or so, I think it's going to have a long-term effect upon the provision of higher education in the country, in Kent, and particularly, of course, here in Canterbury, where we're so dependent upon two universities as major local employers. I think students working, studying for three years on a full-time basis, I think that's going to be a thing of the past. I think there's going to be more and more a shift to students studying from home because they're saving money in terms of accommodation, for students to work part-time, to do more and more of their learning online. And what do they need, therefore, in terms of face-to-face discussion with their tutors? They need inspiration, they need direction, they need guidance, but they don't need information because the information they can collect is available on their laptops, on their computers, in their bedrooms, uh, on their kitchen tables, which is very different to when I was a student, when you had to go to university because the lecturer and the library monopolized knowledge. That monopoly has gone. And as a result, therefore, there need to be a dramatic change in the ways in which higher education is provided in our society. And of course, there too, there's the issue of um, uh, of um, the impact of the pandemic upon charities. Um, charities have had a disastrous year because charity shops have been closed, so it hasn't been a source of revenue. Um, charities haven't been able to organise their social activities, um, which again is a major reason for people belonging to charities, belonging to civic societies. Um, their, their subscriptions uh, go towards a whole range of activities which are very important for people living alone particularly for older people, um, voluntary organisations, civic societies, but they're dependent as not-for-profit organisations upon subscriptions, and uh, they've therefore had a disastrous year in 2020, and I think that's going to continue through to 2021. And perhaps this is where I should end up saying a few words about the Canterbury Society, in that we have been, like other societies, been unable to have our series of events, 
We've had to cancel them or postpone them and therefore, of course, um, not provide the usual things uh, that we'd like to do as a civic society. But we have been saved to some extent by our publication, Canterbury News, uh, which our colleague um, Nessa has edited so fantastically over the last few months, providing local news and information, enabling members of the Canterbury Society, but also a, a broader group of people in Canterbury to keep up to date with things that are going on in the local community. Well, I suppose this is a podcast of doom and gloom, um, but always think on the bright side of life. As my dear old man used to say, still mustn't grumble. Things could be worse. And so therefore, I wish everybody a very happy Christmas, as far as we can have a happy Christmas. But don't forget, we can use Zoom, we can use FaceTime uh, for those people we can't have any personal contact with. I know it's a poor substitute, but at least it's something. And let's hope 2021, with the vaccine, will somehow get us back to normal uh, in this very uncertain, unpredictable time. But I tend to think possibly uh, things must get better. So Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, uh, And may 2021 be at least as good as, if not much, much better uh, than what 2020 proved to be. Many thanks for listening to this podcast.